Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. All right, y'all. Happy, happy, happy Thursday. Going to give you all a little pep talk. <laughs> I want to start the show by just trying to give us a little bit of a healthy spin. But, um, you know, again, as a mental health professional, I'm always trying to pay attention to the role that different substances or behaviors are, are, are playing in people's lives. I want to make sure that we have also a really, uh, like, a, like a solid lens to really assess what's healthy and what's not. And that's going to change. Remember that. There's no such thing as always a, a you know, once a something, always a something. Uh, we have brain plastic. Our brain's always changing and reorganizing. Things are contextual as we're struggling with certain levels of stressors or events. Um, we might over rely on something as a form of self care or coping problematically or positively. And then other times when they alleviate our, uh, itself, it gets easier. Our relationships matter. For in a really healthy relationship, we are far better with our coping. And if it's more toxic or problematic, we can, you know, lean on some old ones. So always just hold it loose. And it's possible to look at right now, this is what what's happening right now. This is my relationship to something and that could change. But again, I want us to pay attention to our, our relationship to food, our relationship to exercise, our relationship to alcohol, our relationship, because, you know, we're, we're still self-isolating. We still do not have access to all of our favorite distractions and other forms of coping. And so people are trying to do the best they can. And some people are not working or the work schedule is different or they're working from home. And so they don't have as much focus or attention paid to what they're doing. They, they, they actually can push things back. They have more time and space to recover. And so, you know, again, we're talking about people's use of food and drugs and drinking. I'm all about people using plant medicine. I'm all about people uh, finding transcendent experiences. There's nothing wrong with um, getting intoxicated from substances or alcohol. As long as you're not putting anyone else at risk or danger, that is your adult decision to make. We get to decide how these things play a role in our life. And we know that intoxicants have been around since the beginning of time. They've been part of religious ceremonies. Also, animals use them. Animals will eat berries and certain fruits and substances that get them drunk or get them high or hallucinate. There's a lot of, like I said, ceremonies. There are now healthy uses of uh, CBD and cannabis and um, uh, hallucinogens and MDMA and um, also, you know, all, all different kinds of treatments exist. 
exist and we're studying them. And I think it's beautiful. And so it's not to say that those things can't have a place, but again, we want to be thoughtful about what we're doing because a true form of self-care, because there's self-care and there's coping mechanisms. Cope mechanisms is very much a neutral term. It means what are the things I use to cope with what's happening in my life? Because life will happen sometimes in ways that feels bigger or is literally bigger than what we have the internal resources to deal with. And so coping mechanisms are these things we grab onto outside of us to help us. That's healthy. Um, What you choose and how you use it determines though, whether or not there's a problem. Self-care is always positive and beneficial. Self-care are the things that make us feel better and nourish us, period. If it has a negative impact, make us feels, make us feels, uh, makes us feel worse or has some kind of negative outcome. It is not self-care. And that's why a lot of, I don't see drinking as self-care. It has a negative impact on every system in your body. It can leave you, um, hungover and tired. Your executive functioning drops. It leads to increased violence. That's not self-care. That's a coping mechanism that can be used, um, negatively or more neutrally, but it's not self-care and food's the same way. We want to be eating nutritious foods always, but people, some people live in food deserts and don't have access to healthy, nutritious foods. Some people don't have the finances. Um, and some people don't have the education to know what those foods would be. So I totally respect that, but we want to just be looking now and always at, are we trying to eat more nutritious foods? Are we trying to limit our use of alcohol, especially at times of high stress, because that's going to have a negative impact on our immune system in our lives. Um, are we having a healthy relationship to exercise and the gym? Cause there are some people that will overtrain and, um, go to the gym to the detriment of being present to their family or fun. Some people, their relationship to food, to the detriment of going out to eat with friends or, or eating a meal that a family or loved one has cooked for you. You are opting out due to anxiety about your body and calories and your relationship to fat. I mean, these are all the things we, we want to take the time to be self-reflective and look at. Because again, coping mechanisms, sit and ask yourself, what are my coping mechanisms? When I've had a hard day, what do I do? When I've had a stressful day, what do I do? When I'm feeling sad or bad, what do I do? What do I, what do I reach for? What do I do with my body? What do I reach for? And ask yourself, is that something that solves that problem? Is that something that gets that need met? Because again, if we're lonely, reach out to someone. If we're sad, learn how to sit and tolerate sadness or pull yourself out, recognize that we can hold sadness and that there are some positive events that can occur and joy still exists. Do a gratitude list, go do something fun. If we're bored, find an activity. You know, like there's so many ways that we can use coping mechanisms that actually alleviate or solve the problem versus just distracting. Sometimes it's transitional. It takes us to a better place. And other times it just keeps us kind of trapped where we already are. And, um, and that's why I'm a fan of self-care because self-care can reduce the impact of coping mechanisms that might have a negative negative impact on our lives. Self-care are these consistent foundational things that we do. Self-care is something that we should be doing consistently, not just when we are struggling. So self-care is the things we should be doing every single day that make us feel grounded and healthy. Coping mechanisms are the things that show up every now and then when we're struggling and don't feel like we can manage what's happening in that moment in our lives. Food, relationships, um, television, technology, exercise. And we just want to always say, is there, what need is this trying to to get met? And is there another healthier way to do that? Because they're not always bad. It's a complex thing. We'll talk more about it, but it's, it's just a lot about self-examination and taking care of ourselves. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about relationships and how we can use them. All the relationships we're in, being a, a, an employee, a family member, a loved one, a sex partner, how we can use them as ways to grow up and learn about ourselves. Shows us where our work is. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. 
Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about transformation. Uh, relationships, they are the most powerful, clear, and honest way to learn about where our work is. And we talked about it in our show the other night, and uh, you can go back and check it out. All the Love Line shows are podcasted at radio.com or wearechannelq.com. And we were talking about all the different qualities that you want to look for or create in a relationship. And I was saying how it's okay and important to sit down with a partner and go through that list and try to make that your vision. But more importantly, I was saying you need to check yourself first. Go through that list and say, am I engaging in these qualities? Am I a good partner? What kind of partner am I? I love the idea of people checking in on what kind of partner they are, even while they're single. You know, am I ready to be positive and beneficial when brought into someone's life? Am I prepared for that? Am I prepared and willing to do the work? Because relationships are a mirror. They're held up to us and they're showing us where our work is. We're relational beings. We don't need to work on being single. That's the easiest position. There's no work to be done while single. You focus on hobbies and career. Great. Go do that. But we're relational beings. We are family members. We are friends. We are employees or employers. We are loved ones. We are sex partners. Those are all relationships. And that's where we have to do our work. Every song is about relationships, every movie, every conversation, every book. That's where the work lies. And we, you know, talk about being triggered or upset. That shows you where your work is. Triggers and upsetment show us where our wounds are that we need to work on healing. It shows us where we have to get better or where we have to grow or get stronger. And that's why I love relationships. Parenting's the same way. You know, parenting's and romantic relationships and social ones are probably the most powerful moments where we learn where our work is. I love when parents come in and say, wow, my child really showed me that I need more patience. It's not about telling the child to act differently so I don't have to calm myself down. It's about me learning how to be calmer. So parents will learn that they need patience, that they need to be calmer. They learn that they're often very easily dysregulated. And yet they're telling this child who's learning from them about self-regulation regulation, how to regulate. And the parent themselves aren't even able to pull that off or do it in front of them. And so it's like, how do you expect the child to do that? So partnered, partnerhood, healthy coupleship is where we're always each looking at ourselves and assessing ourselves. And that's when I know a couple is really doing the work when they come into a session and they say, Dr. Chris, let me call out where I was proud of myself this week. And let me call out where I let myself down and where I disappointed myself based on the kind of partner I was. And so we went on our show the other night through a list of what those qualities should look for. It's on my social media. You can go find it. But um, that's, that's where the work is, though. It's always in reflecting on who we are and what we're doing. We live in a culture where we very much want to point the finger and say, they did this, they didn't do that. But when I hear people talking about their struggles in relationships or why they, why they ended, I'm always also able to hear where their work is. And that's not to say that other people's behavior doesn't matter. It does. Some people are abusive or they're toxic or they're not mature enough or they're not ready or we're not compatible or the chemistry's not there. That's real. Acknowledge that. But there's always work for us to do. And often it's about accepting our partner or letting go. Or again, learning how to allow. Or, you know, because it's a feedback loop. We are always contributing to that system and to the relationship's health. And they're showing up to and responding to what we put in. And that's why it was the easiest way to make a change in a relationship is by us showing up differently. Because then they're going to respond differently. They'll show up differently because they're showing up to someone different, someone improved. It's about keeping the bar high for ourselves. Letting our partners raise up to meet us there. Not dropping our bars down. Again, remember, our self-esteem and our mental health doesn't care what your partner did. It's only holding holding you accountable to what you did or what you said. So it's not, well, they did this or they said this, and then I did that. It doesn't matter. If you see yourself engaging in toxic, unhealthy ways, you will not feel healthy or have self-esteem. 
It doesn't matter what the other person did. And I say that in couple session. I say, I'm watching the scenario you're describing and I'm muting and editing out your partner. And I am just watching and listening to you. And I'm giving you a mental health grade and I'm paying attention to what I'm seeing and hearing. And I want you to look at that, you know, tape with me and tell me, are you proud of that? Is that someone acting from care and compassion and love? That's where the work starts right there. I'm not interested in what this other person's doing. I want to zero in on what you're doing and what you're saying. How's that going? Because they're responding to that. When I edit them back in, I'm going to better understand some of their behavior in response to yours. Because it doesn't matter in adult healthy relationships who started it. At any moment, we get to be the break. We get to be the one that steps in and says, let me be the adult because we're both acting and turning into children. And that's a healthy, healthy partner. It doesn't matter what they're doing. You are holding yourself accountable. You are looking at yourself. You are being your best. And when your partner's struggling or not being their best, that's when it's even more important for you to, for you to step in. And I say this lovingly. We can't have two children. We, we need there to be an adult in the room at all times, psychologically and emotionally. And so always be willing to be that adult and always be willing to do the repair, regardless of who started it or initiating it, initiated it. I want you to walk away or to go to bed every night knowing I at least did my work and my best and I showed up as a healthy adult and a good partner. And then that gives your partner room to do their work. And it also allows you to isolate yourself out of it and to zero in and say, how mature already are they? I've done my work. I know I'm not as much of a contributing factor to this. And I can just look at what they're doing, right? And that's when you can really assess whether or not this is a relationship for you to be in. Because until you've done your work, you are part of that issue. And that's where I love the idea, again, that all relationships are plastic and malleable. They always can change and improve. There's no such thing as too far gone if one of you, at least, is willing and able to do the difficult work. It's such a powerfully transformative opportunity, all the different relationships we're in. So take them all seriously. They're all your work. As they say in some spiritual worlds, your partner's your guru. It's your biggest guru. It's the, it's the most important site of intervention. And so it's a gift. Our partners are gifting us a lot of opportunities to learn where our work is, where our wounds are, and to give us a chance to work on improving them and fixing them, healing them and being better. So take advantage of that. All right. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Right now, let's go to Dr. Tammy Nelson, psychotherapist and author and host of the podcast, The Trouble with Sex. Welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. So, uh, as always, how are you doing right now? How's your mental health? Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. I think we've gone from like a uh, acute shock to chronic stress. <laughs> I'm burnt out. Get used to it. I'm yeah. burnt out. I'm burnt out. I hit the wall. I think a couple days ago, where I was, I was doing all right, settling in, and I'm, I'm kind of now kicking and screaming a little bit, punching on the doors. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out. Totally. I'm feeling so moody. I'm like ready for the beach and. You know, I'm getting tired of the four walls, but you know, I'm hanging in there trying to make the best of it. Good. So let's talk about how partners can discuss their mental health. Um, we're, we're trapped at home, around the clock. Some of my clients that I'm working with are having difficulty having some of these real conversations. What kind of advice do you offer? Well, I, I love what you just said about like, don't be fake. Like if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling uncomfortable, like let people know how you're really feeling, what your real emotions are. And check in every day, like, how are you doing? And what is the story that you're making up about how your partner's doing? And the third, third suggestion I have is, um, remember that the things that are really annoying you are probably not, 
not really the big things that they feel like now, like because they're leaving their socks on the floor probably a month ago wouldn't have been a big deal. Now they're probably driving you crazy. Maybe a month from now, they're not going to be a big deal anymore. And that, that kind of brings us into the next topic. You know, I, I like what you just said, where it's about letting go. But at the same time, we want to take some of it seriously. I'm working with some clients and their big question is, how seriously do I take some of the relational dynamics? Because we don't want to ignore um, aspects of partners that are arising because that's real. But then it's also not during a real time because we're all stressed. So how do we manage that balance? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, because some people are like feeling the cracks in the foundation and they're wondering, is this really, you know, a, a real problem that we should really address? And is this going to be a sign that we should really break up when this is over? Or is this just the fact that we've been in isolation and we can't stand each other because we're just sick of looking at each other? And I think the sign that you should look for is... Um, are you resolving your arguments? Are you able to take space for yourself? And are you able to say things that you um, are not going to regret later? So can you hold back from the really big kitchen sink arguments where you're throwing in everything that's ever happened to you? And um, are you saying things that aren't, you know, personally hateful towards the other person? When it starts to get negative um, to the point where it's personally abusive, then you got to get some help. Beautiful. I thank you for framing it like that. I mean, what's what's coming? <laughs> some things we're laughing about uh, as I'm doing my phone sessions is a lot of things they'll bring up. We go quarantine, <laughs> quarantine. You know, that's why it's probably what it's about. We're taking the serious things seriously, but also trying to hold some of the lighter things a little loosely. Just going quarantine. You know, brush it <laughs> off. Um, so you've got a lot of really great books out, and a lot of them will focus on infidelity, um, healing, uh, working with yourself as the per- you know the person who. Cr- created or led the infidelity. Now, you also wrote a book related to that called The New Monogamy. Coming out of this time and all that's arising, how do you think that might impact monogamy or the way that we see or run our relationships? That's such a good question because I'm really curious if people are going to regress to more traditional relationships and be really close companions because they're really enjoying this time of spending, you know, really intimate space together. Or if they're going to say, you know what, it's great to have this companionship at home, but let's stretch things a little bit. And even though we're primary partners, let's see if we can expand our relationship agreement to maybe include other sexual experiences or other, even other sexual partners, because maybe we are really strong at our, at our roots but we can maybe shake things up a little bit because, you know, boredom doesn't necessarily mean that we're not monogamous. I like that. Boredom does not necessarily mean that we're not monogamous. Boredom's a funky, funky thing. <laughs> and a lot of us aren't counting for the first time. I'm normally not a person that suffers from boredom, but it's been one of those new things that's emerged. I'm trying to like lovingly examine and be curious about. <laughs> um, we had some questions come in that I'd love for you to answer with us. This one asks, oh, this is kind of along lines of what we're talking about. How serious do I take flirting right now? I'm beginning to fall for someone I've been connecting and flirting with. I'm afraid they may just be doing it out of boredom right now. I would be pretty crushed if we got closer only to be ghosted when we're out of isolation. Any thoughts on how I should handle that? Wow, boredom boredom does create a lot of different things. That's so interesting because I think a lot of people are doing things out of a need for distraction. And so they're sort of seeking like uh, uh, 
something outside of themselves, anything to distract themselves from boredom or from discomfort. And so, you know, I think it's important to, you know, really resolve that with this person. Like, are we just distracting ourselves from what's real or are we actually taking more risks because there's not the threat that we're going to get too close too fast. So it's almost like this is like an old fashioned uh, get to know each other time where maybe we're going to have a longer courtship and maybe that's better. Maybe we can go back to, you know, writing each other letters and love poems and I love that and really getting more intimate. I love that. But let me be bad cop for a minute and tell people, stop ghosting. Like, more care and compassion, please, because like a lot of people are getting beat up out there in the new dating online world. Like, a little more care and compassion. You know what I mean? Like, be a little more thoughtful. Um, all right, we have another question I'd love for you to answer with us. This one asks, had a horrible breakup in February, and being isolated has made it so much harder to move on. I'm still so heartbroken, and it's challenging not to be able to go out to distract myself. How can I help myself combat these negative feelings? Well, it's actually really healthy to be home and sitting with your emotions. As painful as it is, these feelings are going to pass. You know, all emotions pass, even the good ones. They're like waves. They peak and then they go away. If you feel them, if you're lucky enough to have the space to go through them, you'll suffer and then you'll get past it. And and then by the time we're out of here, you'll be ready and and open and healed and ready for a relationship. And that'll be perfect timing for you. So you can spend like your dark days inside watching movies, <laughs> baking That's or right. whatever you need to do. Enough with the baking, please. <laughs> I know. You'll be a few pounds heavier, but you know, you'll be ready to date. I love that. Uh, Dr. Tammy Nelson and the podcast is called The Trouble with Sex. As always, thank you for being a part of our show. Dr. Chris, always a pleasure. Have a beautiful night. Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Before we slide the DMs, the DMs come from our Love Line IG page. So if you want your question answered on Love Line, slide into the DMs on Love Line IG and let us know. Or you can give us a call, 833 Love 33 L O V E 01. Time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Dr. D, I've been listening to your show since way back with Amber and it has changed a lot in my life. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I'm in a loving relationship for over a year now. One I genuinely don't believe I would have been in without listening to your show. Oh, see, I, it means a lot to me when you all say that. It honestly, truly does. I always feel so blessed that I get to be a part of your lives and your journey. So deeply, deeply, deeply moved by comments like that and know that I, I, I do truly care. Um, <clears throat> you've been in a relationship lovingly for over a year and you are thinking of moving in together in the fall when our leases are up. Congratulations. I've heard you talk about things to discuss during engagement on the show a couple times. But what about things to discuss before cohabitation? Are those talking points similar? First off, congrats uh, for a lot of people that say next relational developmental milestone to cohabitate. But yes, I like where your head's at. There are some things you want to talk about ahead of time versus just kind of bump it in when they happen. I've lived with many different people I've dated, so I also have my own personal experiences of that as well as clinical. A couple things. First off, I always recommend both people's names being on the lease. Um, you guys are in a loving relationship. Conflict happens. Expect it. Work through it. But I don't know enough to know how y'all play the power power dynamic game. But for some couples, it's important that everyone feels empowered. And so their names are both on the lease. So no one can pull the card. This is my place. So always throw that one out there. I hate that that even has to be consideration, but it does. Also, you want to talk about finances. 
Who's going to pay for what? And this is really important to talk about ahead of time. Not everyone makes the same amount of money. I am okay with it being a percentage-based thing. If you decide to, um, everyone pays for uh, everything in a combined manner, uh, rent could be whatever percentage the difference is. It could be 60-30. I'm sorry, that would make no sense. 60-40, 70-30, 50-50, whatever you're comfortable with. Be compassionate in figuring out what each of you can afford. Some people split all bills. Others divide it up. You know, I'll cover rent. You cover the electric and security. You make less than me. That's great. Uh, make sure though the most responsible person is the one who's responsible for actually paying the bills. Auto pay is a really great idea. And then finally, I think another key thing to look at is the housework distribution. Who's going to do what? You know, some people don't like things to be this structured. Some people like it to be looser. I think it's a good idea to kind of talk about it ahead of time so everyone knows what they're responsible for. But outside of those structural pieces, everything else is just supposed to be kind of rooted in fun. And I leave it to your own levels of compassion to decide what color the walls will be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but finally, I'll just say, give each other a break. You know, living together, you encounter little things that you didn't have to before, like someone who puts things right away in the dishwasher versus leaving them out. Just remember, there's no right way. There's just different ways, you know, so be flexible. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms, because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, Ryan Sheldon, body neutrality activist, will be joining us. We'll be talking about that Cynthia Nixon female uh, video that's gone viral. It's good stuff. Uh, listen to Loveline with Dutch Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Loveline. This is Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q. All right, now let's go to Allie Brooke. Allie, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be on today. I have to tell you. Oh, thanks for being a part of it. Uh, we're excited to have you and I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do my own work and focus on my mental health. So I'm focusing a lot on self-care. How is your mental health? You know, it's funny because during this quarantine, well, I'm usually kind of like a positive person. I love being around people. I love working what I do, singing, being out on the road. Um, and I've kind of found that during this quarantine time, I think like everybody, um, I found that my emotions are kind of up and down. You know, I have my good moments and my challenging moments where I sometimes feel fearful or anxious or unsure about certain things. But um, I right now I'm doing doing well. <laughs> well, thank you for saying all that. I mean, that was very vulnerable. And I want people to get more familiar hearing others talk about anxiety and fear because it's, it's a normal part of life. And, and also, like, this is a special time. And so I'm also telling people allow it don't don't panic when these things arise these new emotions that we're not necessarily familiar with yes and i love that and i um it's so great that you know you do see so many people coming forward and being vulnerable in their experiences and what they're feeling and that makes me as a artist and as a human being just feel like I'm not alone i feel like a lot of what helps me to get through situations is knowing that i'm not alone. So it's nice that people are coming together during this time. I think it's so beautiful. Well, looking at a lot of the interviews and things you've posted about and talked about, you're, you've been really good about being very vulnerable and humanizing yourself. You talked a lot about insecurities and empowerment. So talk to us a little bit about your journey around finding empowerment. Oh, man, it's definitely been <laughs> such a journey. Um, well, I was in Fifth Harmony, the girl group, and then I 
transitioned into being a solo artist, which was such a journey in itself, of course. And I had to find the right people around me, the right team, the right support system. They're everything in this business. You know, it feels like they shape you and they make you to an extent. Um, And having that foundation of good people around me, healthy conversations, they challenge me. And they're also people that I can be honest with and they'll hear me and encourage me um, even when I have, you know, moments of not doubting myself, but maybe unsure of a certain decision or what to do about something. That's been everything to me is having that foundation of a team who I can go to and and trust and feel safe with. Um, So... Yeah, that's really important to me. It's a it's a vital part of mental health, having a really good community around you that speaks to the best of you. And so that's kind of what I'm telling people to come out of this with, really check in with what kind of people do I have around me and the impact they have on me. It's so true. And I'm learning, you know, I really am learning so much during this quarantine time. I'm learning a lot about myself and I'm kind of being faced with the mirror, so to speak, of who really is Allie? What's important to her? What makes her tick or what makes her anxious or what makes her sad or unhappy? And it's been really powerful to finally kind of come face to face with those emotions and, and feelings. And um, I'm working on myself in so many different ways. Of course, always staying creative on the on my passions and my music. That's my everything, my happy place. But um, it's nice on a personal level to work on myself. And that's why I'm so happy to be talking to you today because I've never had an interview like this where I've talked to a doctor like you. And so I feel really safe and I feel like this is such a nice, it's just so, it just feels so wonderful to feel vulnerable and safe. I don't have to be a certain way or be like on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Authenticity. It's one of the most important parts of mental health. And I'm really trying to get people to feel comfortable tapping into that, whatever that even means. And so when I say that word to you, what comes up? I mean, one of the things I'd love for you to speak to in reference to authenticity is you were talking about um, your Mexican heritage. And I know that it was important for you to put out some music that was in the Spanish language. And so yeah. representation is a huge part of mental health, seeing ourselves reflected back in the music world and media. So how does that all tie together for you? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, just being able to be myself through my music and my image and what I put out there is so important. You know, on a group, of course, you're a group, so you have to maintain a certain image and, you know, be part of something. Um, but as a solo artist, it's fully you, you know, everything down from your hair to your makeup to the clothes you wear. I believe fashion is a way to ex- express myself too. And down to every single detail, um, I've learned just to be myself as cliche as it sounds, I've actually had a hard time struggling with that in this business because you get so many opinions and social media doesn't help (laughs) all the time, Um, even though now it's become so much better. Um, But it's so important for me to represent who I am, which is a Mexican-American girl from, from Texas, you know, all my different fusions of culture and family and what that is and put that in my music as well as 
um, you know, the other influences that I have. It's really great to be encouraged, too, by my team around me to say, hey, Allie, like, we're here to represent what you want, not to tell you who to be or what songs to put out. And that's everything to an artist. Well, congratulations, because a lot of people may be stepping out from being in a girl group where they have other people that are taking some of the tension and it's not specifically and only on them. I mean, you've risen to the occasion. I can hear the empowerment when you talk about being yourself and standing on your own. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. It has been such a journey and to get here, truly. And I'm actually writing a book and I'm so excited about it. Um, and you'll see in my book just how, just how big and broad and how, uh, how in ways very difficult my journey has been, but how I've learned to find myself and, and how I got from A to B. Um, so I can't wait for people to hear my story and hopefully it inspires people, um, to go after their dreams and to be their best selves um, in this world because it's so powerful and it's so freeing when you can truly just stand up on your own and say, this is who I am. And you have all the, the confidence in the world. Well, I'm excited for you. We're going to take a little break listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel, QNRay.com. We'll see you back in a minute. Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we're back and we got Ali Brooke. Quickly, tell me a little bit about self-care. I'm asking everyone about that as well. What What are you doing in this time right now to really focus on self-care? Well, for me, that's like an umbrella of so many different things. Um, I guess things that make me do feel better is even something as simple as baking or cooking. I love doing that. It's very therapeutic for me. Um, also taking time when I need time to just, uh, decompress or like watch a movie or not like work or think about work. Um, I'll, I'll do that. Um, I also love when I can talking to my friends or my parents about my feelings or about my day, just to not feel alone and, um, to help me through my emotions during this time. Um, but those are kind of some of the things. Does that count what I said? A hundred percent. I mean, self-care is whatever we can do that uplifts us, nourishes us, leaves us feeling better. And I smirk when you said cooking because I smirk whenever someone says cooking because I'm fighting it. I don't want to do it. I refuse. Oh, <laughs> I love that. We're totally opposite. Yeah. I, I find that it does it's just so therapeutic for me. I mean, the dishes, well, actually, washing the dishes, too, is, is a little therapeutic as well. All right, come on of- over and wash mine, then. I'll give you all the self-care you want. <laughs> They're loaded up and waiting. <laughs> right? I, I might have to go to your, your house and, and do some cooking and washing. All right, please. Um, so I want to ask you about music and its impact on mental health. But before we do, I want to congratulate you all night with Afrojack. Hit number one. Congrats. That's big. <laughs> well Thank done. you. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's such an amazing feeling. I can't really describe it. You know, again, going from a group to a solo artist and then working so hard at something and having my first number one, it went number one at dance radio. It was so incredible. So I celebrated that and I'm so proud of that record too because it's just a feel good, positive, fun song that everyone can listen to and everyone can feel good good and free and i'm so glad that people 
have loved it. It's there's really no greater feeling. Yeah, we need more uplifting music like that. But we're gonna listen to a quick clip of All Night right now. Out of my mind, out every night, just so I could feel this way. Out of control, irrational. Now that you're stuck on my brain, something about the way you're following my lead says you wanna leave the party with me. I've been hearing love songs playing in my dreams. I got your name written all over me. Oh, oh, oh. we're in it together, an infinite high, and we can keep on dancing. I saw you bopping. We were all bopping over here in the studio, too. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I love that song. And it's so awesome to be working with Afrojack. Like, I'm such a fan. So, Oh, I've been a, a fan forever as well. Phenomenal stuff. So talk to us about mental health and music. How do you think mental health has impacted music and your music has impacted your mental health? Mm, well, um, oh, my gosh. Music is therapy. Music, it expresses you in a way that real words can't and i i just have a million thoughts about that um for me when i hear music it just takes me to a whole different place it uplifts my mood it encourages me it can turn a a bad day into a good day it can help me to to find inner strength it can help me to find confidence or to find resolution with something um man I, i really believe in music heals um, and for me, being able to create that music is such a blessing and a gift. Oh, my God. And being able to make someone feel that way through my music is an enormous, enormous blessing. Um, and, and all of it is linked together. You know, fans come up to me or they write me on social media and they tell me how my music has impacted them or helped them out of a dark situation or help them find their faith or whatever. And it is such a beautiful feeling. I love that. I've, t- I've worked with so many clients. I've said the same thing where music has literally saved them. It's helped them express or feel something they couldn't otherwise. Yes, it is so true. And I just feel when I'm singing, I feel so brave on that stage and like a different person and, that I can fully be myself, you know, and, and it's it's hard as a woman and, and just as people sometimes to feel like you can be who you are and accepted, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, music just makes me feel like nothing in this world does. Beautiful. Uh, Ali, we had some questions that came in from fans I'd love for you to answer with us. Of course. This first question asks, besides seeing your fans and performing, what are you most excited about and looking forward to when you're able to tour again? Oh, I love that. Traveling, for sure. Being able to finish the tour and go to the different cities that I wasn't able to go to, including my hometown, San Antonio, and including um, Florida, 
maybe I can make a trip to Disney World if it opens up when that happens. Um, and then New York. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to, to travel again. Ali Brooke, thank you so much for being a part of the show and for doing everything you're doing. The positivity is emanating off of you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the kind words. I love, love chatting with you. Have a great night. Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we are back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore the confidence. Hey, Dr. Chris, what advice would you give for getting back out in the dating world? Oh, it's scary out there. I only had sex with my ex-husband. Oh. How can I overcome feeling insecure about getting back out into the dating and hookup culture? I'll say this. The game has changed. It's a different world out there since you and your husband broke up. Um, You've only had sex with your husband. Look, the work initially is translating that anxiety into excitement excitement around all the new experiences you get to have. Some of them are going to be completely ridiculous because it is ridiculous out there dating, but try to translate it into excitement around the stories you're going to tell, the people you're going to encounter, the restaurants you're going to get to try. Truly, truly get excited about all the new things that are going to happen. Also, I remind people it's a numbers game. You're not going to go on two or three dates and fall in love again if that's even what you're looking for. You might not. You might want to just casually date, have some casual sex. That's awesome. There's a lot of people that are open to that. But it's going to be a numbers game if you do want another serious relationship. It often takes time. So get out there and be willing to go on multiple dates. Dates, excuse me, take your time. Meet a lot of different people. Um, but don't don't hold on too tightly. Don't have a, a serious goal. Just kind of be open open to being what it is. You're going to meet some people that maybe want something more serious, some people that want something lighter, some people that just want to have sex. Be open to kind of all of it. You know, mama's out there. She's single. She doesn't have her husband anymore. She's just seeing what's up. You're going to learn a lot about yourself too. A lot. Every time you go on a date with someone new or have some sex with someone new, a new part of you is going to emerge that you weren't familiar with because you're used to what happens when you and your husband come together. But now you're going to get to uncover and learn about other aspects of yourself. So again, the main goal is turn it from fear and anxiety into excitement about what you're going to encounter, what you're going to see, but be ready for it all. It's going to be a little bit of everything. Take your time, hold your boundaries. Don't do anything you're not comfortable doing, but hookup culture and dating culture, it's a whole new game. It's a whole new game, but remember to see the fun in. Oh, yeah. So this is this is a profoundly transformative experience for a lot of people, um, and so don't 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 not take that on fully. Um, it's kind of sometimes some of the most evolving we can often do. So really, really honor that. Put the time in, the presence, the effort, and um, hang in there tight. Just don't don't take it all too seriously, because like I said, it's a journey. And in the beginning, it can often be rough because it's new, a new skill set that you're going to be forced to utilize. It's not familiar to you, but um, you got it in you. Uh, try all the different apps, though, because they're all a little bit different. Talk to your friends about what you're doing um, and just make it fun. Because, again, that's what this is really supposed to be rooted in. You know, It's not supposed to be something that's heavy and overwhelming and depressing. And so if it starts to feel that way, take a break right? A little burnout shows up, take a little break, take care of yourself, focus on all the other things that are meaningful and happy in your life. You'll be fine. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms. It's a big old sex world. We want you to explore it with confidence. Our DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you want your question right on air, slide into the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As always, thanks for hanging out with me and y'all have an awesome, awesome night. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q.